Well, it's preaching time. Brother Will Allen uh, has been at uh, White Gray's Baptist Church, I believe, eight years. Celebrated his eighth anniversary. Connie and I got to celebrate homemade biscuits the other morning, and that was a blessing. And uh, she taught the ladies, and I taught the men, and I preached on uh, how to take care of your pastor. I didn't know he was celebrating an eighth uh, anniversary. And then I preached on Sunday school, and I didn't know they were just remodeling a hundred-year-old building and making it a Sunday school wing. And so I'm just thank God that he was available to substitute for Brother Kenny Cockendall. Because Brother Kenny's had COVID for four weeks and hadn't been preaching. And I called him up with a week's notice and said, are you available? And he said, I sure am. So you pray for him, amen, and ask God to bless. Come on, Brother Will, and preach. Make yourself at home. This is a preaching place. It's the easiest place in the world for me to preach. Now, I mean, this is where I feel more comfortable than any other place. And I pray that you won't just feel comfortable, but that you'll have great liberty. Amen. So come on, preach, brother. We love you. Well, it's good to be in church, isn't it? Hey. Amen. On a Tuesday night. That's right. I'm thankful so much. I'm thankful for your pastor, and I'm thankful for the ministry of the Whitfield Baptist Church. And uh, you are a beacon of hope uh, to a young preacher, and uh, and you are that you, you don't you don't you, most of you don't know me, but you encourage me in the ministry of this church. I appreciate your pastor and his wife coming to our first breakfast and Bible study just a couple weeks ago. And uh, we, we, yeah, he, when he preached all that, uh, I thought, wow, uh, he's been reading our mail. Uh, but uh, eight years pastoring the church, and uh, sometimes it seems like yesterday, sometimes it seems like 80 years ago. And, uh, and then we, we did, we just finished up remodel of a, a well over 100-year-old building going to have our Sunday school kickoff and open house on this coming Sunday. So we're in a busy week. I'm also the principal of the Philadelphia Christian School. We'll be here August 31st singing. and We start school on Friday. And so I needed a break, so I thought I'd come preach. Amen. <laughs> and uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate being able to be here. It's an honor to stand in this pulpit. Let's take our Bibles to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. Been preaching for a few weeks, just started in a series through the book of Joshua and uh, at our church, and I thought maybe that would be the direction that we would go in, um, but as I just prayed a little bit more this week about the, the service, I felt directed uh, to go to 1 Samuel chapter number 12 and try to bring something that has, has helped me in days gone by, and I pray that it will help you in these days, and uh, we never know what lies ahead, we never know what's ahead of us. And uh, I pray that God will help you with the message. If you find your place in 1 Samuel chapter number 12, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. 1 Samuel chapter number 12. That's in your Old Testament. And that's early on in your Old Testament. 1 Samuel chapter number 12. And we're going to read, start reading in verse number 20. We'll read down to the end of the chapter. Lord willing, we'll preach the chapter. And uh, we'll try to give you what God's put on our heart. So we'll read verse 20 through 25. We'll pray and you can be seated. We'll try to preach. The Bible says, And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not. Ye have done all this wickedness. Yet, turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And turn ye not aside, for then should ye go after vain things which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. For the Lord will not forsake his people 
for his great name's sake, because it had pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider how great things he had done for you. But if you shall still do wickedly, you shall be consumed, both ye and your king. Let's pray and you can be seated. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord God, for letting us be in church on a Tuesday night. Thank you, Lord God, for your grace, your mercy. Thank you for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and how that message changed our life. There's no way in the world we would be here on a Tuesday night had it not been for the gospel. And God, I thank you for the opportunity and privilege we have to give that same message out to a lost and dying world. Father, I thank you for a Bible. Thank you for an inspired Bible. Thank you for the King James Bible, as our pastors already mentioned earlier in the service. Thank you for a perfect copy of the Word of God. And I pray, God, thank you for eyes to read it and a mind to understand it. But most of all, thank you for the Holy Spirit of God to guide us into all truth. I pray you'd help me now. Preach with fervency. Preach with freedom and fearlessness as we try to proclaim the Word of God. I pray people of God would get help tonight. And if there be one lost here, under the sound of our voice. I pray the day would be the day of salvation. If there be one backslidden, I pray they get right with you. If there be one discouraged, I pray you'd encourage them in the Lord. I just pray, God, you do all things well tonight and you get all the glory for it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the word of God. In 1 Samuel chapter number 12, Samuel's meeting with Israel over at Gilgal to install Saul as their newly appointed king. And he's speaking the truth in love to these people as he talks about him and how Samuel has treated the children of Israel and how that they have instead requested a king and what they need to do going forward. Let's, let's look for a few minutes throughout this chapter and we'll try to examine what's going on here. In verse number one, uh, Samuel reminds them that the king was their idea. It wasn't Samuel's idea. It wasn't God's idea. But God, uh, but Israel had rejected a God and they had rejected God's man and they are requesting, uh, they are rejecting Samuel's leadership requesting an earthly king instead and he reminds them in verse number three, it, there's no reason for it that, that Samuel's not at fault here look at verse number three, he said here I am, witness against me before the Lord, before his anointing whose ox have I taken? whose ass have I taken? whom have I defrauded? whom have I oppressed? Of whose hand have I received any bribe to blind mine eyes therewith? And I will restore it to you. He says, look, what have I done? Who have I, have I wronged? Where am I blamed? Where do I have blame lied at me? And if there is any, I'll restore it to you right here in front of everybody. I, listen, I'm not going to get right in the closet. If I've got wrong with you in public, I'm going to get right in public with you. And look what they say in verse number four. 
Thou hast not defrauded us nor oppressed us, neither hast thou taken all of any man's hand. You've not done anything wrong, preacher. There's nothing, there's no blame to lie at your feet. This is not about you, preacher. How many times have us pastors heard that before? It's not about you. It's not about you. Don't take it personally. Can I scratch off a place and say, preachers, we ought to take it personally. Amen. It is personal, friend. When we give our lives for the ministry and we give our lives a, a sweat and our blood and our tears, our time, and our talent uh, of serving Jesus. Yes, we take it personally. <laughs> and so Samuel saying, what have I done? They say, you've not done anything, preacher. It's not on you. And so he turns in verse five, says, well, the Lord's witness against you. And he is anointing his witness of this day. He looks at Saul and he says, Saul, do you got anything against me? And Saul sits there with his mouth shut. He doesn't have anything to say and that you have not found all in my hand. And they answered, he is witness. The Lord is witness. Saul is witness. We don't have anything against you, preacher. And Samuel begins in verse number six. Now, now listen, I got to start, I got, before I get to verse number six, I got to say this, that they've rejected, they've rejected Samuel. Saul says nothing wrong. The Lord says nothing wrong. And the people say there's nothing wrong with Samuel. So why did they reject him? What's the reason behind this? I'll tell you, the number one reason behind their rejection of God's man for the, earth, the world's man is because the people of Israel were more concerned about the physical and the material and the temporal strength of the nation than they were the spiritual uh, the, uh, the, the spiritual climate of the nation. They were more worried about the strength temporal, the earthly, the worldly strength than they were the heavenly strength. I mean they had replaced the man of God for a man of the world and why is this? Because just like today we are more worried with Wall Street and more worried with stocks and bonds and, and retirement and buildings and social securities. We are more worried with our political strength. We are more worried about an agenda that is being pushed in this world out there. But I'll say this, if we're not careful in the ministry at the church level, we'll get more worried about the material strength and we'll get more worried about the physical strength. We'll get more worried about the temporal strength than we are the spiritual strength of our churches. I mean, you say, I don't know about that. Well, let's just look. We're in an hour where preachers will knock on thousands of doors to get a political candidate voted for, but we'll not knock on a door to tell anybody about Jesus. And we're living in an hour where preachers will ride, and I'm not picking on preachers, Christians will ride to a rally and hold up a sign with a man's name on it, but won't stand on a street corner with a sign saying Jesus saves on it. We're standing, we're in an hour where we will promote our political agenda, but we will not promote the gospel. We'll give out a, a pamphlet about the Republican Party or the Democrat Party or the Libertarian Party, but we won't give a gospel track out anybody. Listen, I know it's the cream of the crop tonight. I know it's Tuesday night at the Great Whitfield Baptist Church. Uh, but my friend, I believe that we have got too concerned uh, with the world. We've got con too concerned with what's going on in this world uh, that we have disconnected totally what's going on in the spiritual realm of things. 
I remember growing up in these country Baptist churches that I grew up in and them old preachers would say stuff like you've drove your tent stakes too deep into this world. You've drove your tent stakes too deep in this world. I'll tell you what, I believe we're past tent stakes today. I believe we're pouring footers in this world now. I believe we've already poured a basement in this world. I mean, we are so attached to everything that's going on to this world. We are living in a generation that cares more about Rush or Sean or whoever else is on the radio, what they have to say than they do what the man of God has to say. We wonder why we come into the church house and we don't see any move of God, but for 40 hours a week, we've all we've heard is how they're wrong and we're right, how we've heard about our agenda and their agenda, and we've not heard anything from God. We've read very little of our Bible. We've heard very little of, God, of gospel singing and Christ-honoring music. We've heard very little of gospel preaching. What happened to the days? Well, instead of listening to a talk radio host, we were listening to men of God thunder the word of God on the radio, on the CD player, on the tape cassette, on the MP3, on the podcast. Hey, on the wrong, you've got access on your phone to hear more good preaching than any other generation, and yet we're filling our minds with everything else in this world. I'm not trying to get on to anybody. I'm just saying I believe there's a, there's a correlation here between Israel and where we are as a church today. And we're trading the man of God for the man of the world. You've got a pastor been here 43 years, is that right? And 43 years he has thundered the word of God in this county. Had a burden to come up here and to start this church and to thunder the word of God. And yet you'll tune him out on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. But you hang on to everything that political analyst says on the news. You hang on to everything you hear of that newscaster say. Everything you hear some scientist or doctor so-and-so say. Oh my God. Well, my, my friend, we have replaced the man of God with the man of this world. Because we are more worried about the temporal strength than we are the spiritual strength. I think we've, we've, traded, we've traded Bible study for ball games. We, we've, we've traded sermons for socials. And I'm for having socials and I'm for ball games. Thank God for little boys playing football out there when I pulled up. Amen. I'm glad they wasn't playing with Barbie dolls. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank God. I don't even think little girls want to play with Barbie dolls, by the way. Amen. Baby dolls make mamas and Barbie dolls make models. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But, but we've traded sermons for social. We've filled up our calendars with fellowships without fellowshipping around the gospel. Amen. I love fellowship, but let's go stand on the street corner for an hour telling people about Jesus, and then let's go get some ice cream. Amen. Hey, let's go have out some gospel tracks, and then let's meet up and go to lunch. Hey, let's, let's, we have traded the sermon for the social, the prayer, the Bible study for bowl game. We, we've traded party, uh, prayer meetings for parties uh, and agonizing in prayer for organizing and planning and all that other stuff is okay, but it's not the main thing of the church. You can have fellowships in any other organization. You can have parties and socials in any other organization, but there's something different when we come down to the house of God. I was talking to my insurance my new insurance agent just a few weeks ago, and he goes to a big church there in Calhoun, and we were talking about the, the disconnect between uh, generations. Seems like there's a disconnect from that young generation. And he said, Will, I don't know what we need to do. He said, I don't know what we're going to do to attract that generation. And I said, Brother, 
brother, I believe we've got something different from this world. So the answer is not going and yoking up with the world. The answer is not trying to make the church more like the world. We've got something different to offer them. And when we conform ourselves to this world, when we conform ourselves to what this world is doing, they come here and say, hey, I can have that anywhere else. I can do that anywhere else. I don't need this place to get what I'm getting down everywhere else. I mean, we're supposed to be different, amen. That wasn't in my notes, but I thought that helped. They replaced the man of God with a man of this world. Verse number seven, verse six through verse number 11, Samuel begins to tell them about what happened in the past. He said, there were days gone by after Moses and Aaron brought you out of the land of Egypt, after the children of Israel were saved by the blood of the Lamb, after the children of Israel were brought out of bondage and made free, there were times where people came against you where, where you did wrong and, 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 and God allowed different groups of people to chastise you. You sinned, you, 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 you did wickedness and God sent chastisement because he loved you. And that's why God sends chastisement because he loves you. And if he doesn't send chastisement, it's because he doesn't love you. And, and so uh, he chastises them with, uh, with, with other groups of people coming in and overtaking them. You look at verse number eight. When Jacob was coming to Egypt, your fathers cried unto the Lord. Then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron. You were in bondage in Egypt for over 400 years. What did those men do to get God to answer their prayer? They recalled on the Lord. They repented and they prayed and God delivered them out of their bondage. He reminds them in verse number nine, when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them into the hand of Caesarea, captain of the host of Azar, and in the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king Moab, and they fought against them. What did they do? Verse 10, and they cried unto the Lord and said, we have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and have served Balaam and Ashtaroth, but now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies and we will serve thee. Verse 11, and the Lord sent Jerubbabel and Bedan and Japhethad and Samuel and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side and you dwelt safe. Hey, what is he saying? In the past, when the children of Israel got in trouble because of their sin, when they got it, when they forsook the Lord and they forgot the Lord and God sent them into bondage, what happened? The forefathers prayed, got a hold of God, repented their sin, forsook their sin, and said, oh God, please deliver us. And what did he do? He delivered you. He delivered you out of bondage. He delivered you out of slavery. He delivered you out of your trouble. Even though you got yourself in it, he got you out because you you repented and forsook your sin. And hallelujah for that. Thank God for that. Thank God for a God that can deliver, that he did deliver. But now in verse 12, he said, now the same things happen. You've forsaken the Lord. You forgot the Lord. And now he's using Ammon, Ammon, and now he's using the Ammonites and they're coming against us because of sin, because of wickedness, because we've forsaken the Lord and now the chastisement of God is coming but we're looking back at the old days and seeing where God delivered but we're not doing what they did. Oh my. You know what? Let me just stop here and say 
Thank God for a God that delivered Israel. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for a God who who was with Joshua and brought him over the uh, Jordan River into Canaan. Thank God for a God that was with Elijah and Elisha. Thank God for a God that was with Isaiah and Jeremiah. Thank God for a God that was with Peter and Paul and James and John. And thank God for a God that walked the uh, shores of Galilee and were those people. I say thank God for a God that was with Brother Harold Seitler and uh, and uh, all the men of old, uh, like Brother Stinnett Malou, uh, Brother Samuel Allen, who just passed, uh, Brother Billy Goosby. I mean, thank God uh, that he was with men uh, like uh, Brother Jack Hiles and Brother uh, Lee Robertson and Dr. All these other great men that we read about. I uh, thank God for the great stories of the past that God was with them. But listen, that's all well and good. But what about now? What about today? What about Will Allen? What about the Whitfield Baptist Church? What about the White Grace Baptist Church? What about the Rome Baptist Temple? What about the 11th Avenue Baptist Church? What about the Ridge Road Baptist Church? What about South Africa? What about where we're serving now? We need God now. Well, guess what? We're going to have to do some things that was done in the past. Here's what Samuel says. We're in the same shape they were in for the same reasons they were in it. But instead of repenting, we're asking for a king. Instead of calling on God, instead of asking the Lord to forgive us for our sins, we say, well, maybe if we trade the man of God for a man of the world, we won't get in this mess no more. Maybe maybe that'll keep us out of all this chastisement because nobody likes that. Maybe the judgment's coming because we know truth. And maybe if we get rid of truth, everything will settle down. Maybe it's the preacher just ain't smart enough to lead us out of this. Maybe we just need a more educated man. Maybe the preacher's too short to get us out of this. We need a taller man. Right? Remember Saul was so tall? Man, the preacher's never even fought a battle. Maybe we need a fighting man. They traded the man of God for the man of this world because they were more worried about the physical strength than they were the spiritual strength. I wonder tonight if, if we're not maybe in that shape as well because we, they think a government, new government will fix our problems. That's what will do it. Just a new, new order. That's what will do it. You know, we lost the last vote, so, so just a whole new order will, will help us this time. You know, because that's what's going to fix it. What happens down at the palace is what's going to take care of our problems. And maybe the mess we're in, maybe the distraught state that we're in as a church, and I'm not preaching to America tonight because I can't help America. America may be too far gone. I don't know. But I know the church is not. Amen. Hey, listen, America may be gone, but the church will arise. Hey, and listen, if Nero rises in government, thank God the gospel can go on today. Amen. I wonder if we've maybe trusted too much in the government to fix our problems. Maybe we thought the king was an answer. Maybe we thought uh, if we just uh, just believe what they're telling us and believe the news media and believe the social media and maybe, maybe all this chastisement will go away. Maybe that's the problem with it all. You mind, I mind you of Romans 14, 23. Whatsoever is not a faith, it's sin. Amen. You know why? 
They wanted a king because they could see that king. They could put their eyes on it. They didn't have to have faith in Saul. See, God, they couldn't see. Oh, they saw a lot that he did. But they couldn't see God. They didn't have to have faith to have a king like Saul. But whatsoever is not a faith is sin. You forgot the Lord. He sent chastisement like he'd done before, but, but you're not doing what they've done in the past. You want to be delivered like they were in the past, but you're not doing what you need to do. They call for a king. Now, he looks at them, and verse number 12 is a convicting verse. He said, when you saw that Nahash, the king, and the children of Israel, uh, Ammon, came against you, you said unto me, Nay, but a king shall reign over us. Watch this. When the Lord your God was your king. You had a king. You had a king that delivered Moses and Aaron. You had a king that led all of Israel out of Syria, out of that Syria, out of Moab, out of Philistine. You had a God, you had a king who's led you out all times before. But when I told you what you've got to do, you said, nay, I'm not doing that. I'm not repenting. I'm not bowing down. I'm not humbling myself under the mighty hand of God. That preacher is crazy. What age does he think we're living in? What day and hour does he think we're, I'm not, I am too good for that. Nay, we want a king. But you had a king. Verse 13, he said, now, therefore behold the king. I just got it in my mind. He just made God look real big, didn't he? And then he said, and look what you just chose. God delivered you out of Egypt. What's this guy done? God delivered you out of Syria. What has what this guy done? God's the God of heaven. God's the God of creation. God's the God of the universe. God's the God of salvation. God's the God that parted the Red Sea, gave us manna in the wilderness, gave us quail, gave us water from a rock. God's the one that let us cross over the Jordan River. God's the one. But what has he done? Look, behold, look at your king. When he said, and behold, the Lord hath set a king over you. There you go. You get what you want. I think about Psalm 106, verse 15. He said, and he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. They got what they wanted. But there was a high price to pay for it. That's all bad, ain't it? It's real bad. They've sinned. They've done wrong. In verse number, and I think about we've done the same thing. I don't think I have to labor that. I think you know. We've done the same thing. We, we've recognized the chastisement, the judgment of God in our life and, and, and instead of getting right with God, we try to put something in its place. Some king, some little K king, by the way, in, our, in that place. We forgot the Lord. Samuel in verse number 14 says something. You got your king, verse 13. He said a king over you. But look at verse 14. If ye will fear the Lord and serve Him, and obey his voice, and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall both ye and also the king that reigneth over you continue following the Lord your God. 
Verse number 16, he, he starts talking about the, the harvest. In verse 17, he says, I'm going to pray. I'm giving you the background. I've got to get hurry. i got to hurry. He says, I'm going to pray that, that God will send a storm, thunder, and rain to confirm what I'm telling you. I'm going to ask God to do that. I, I imagine it's a sunny day with no cloud in the sky. It would almost be a miracle for thunder and rain to start. So he says, I'm going to pray that thunder and rain, that, it will, that you'll see how serious this wickedness is, that you'll see how serious this sin is. And all of a sudden, the Bible says, Samuel in verse 18 called on the Lord and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. Watch what happens. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said unto Samuel, pray for thy servants unto the Lord thy God that we die not for we have added unto, uh, unto all our sins this evil to ask for a king. We realize we've messed up. We realize we got what we asked for and we got what we deserve. We realize that we've sinned in the sight of God. Why did they realize it? Because a storm came. Because the thunder crashed and the rain fell. And that, listen, the preacher was preaching before that happened. And they don't respond. But all of a sudden the thunder comes and the rain comes. Now they, oh, God's serious about this. We've messed up. Oh, preacher, pray for us that we don't die. Pray for us that we can go on and do right. Preacher, what do we do now that the storm has come? Listen, uh, every storm is not a direct result for your sin. Because I guarantee they were some good people in the children of Israel. Guess who got, had to experience this? I mean, just to say, Samuel had to experience that storm just like the rest of them did. He wasn't at fault with nothing. But every storm... God wants to get our attention and teach us something out of that storm. And storms, I, I don't have, a, I'm, not, I'm not preaching on a storm here, but let me just say this about a storm. Just something very simple. It, it, it's very, very, very elementary, but storms don't last forever. Storms will eventually go away. See, storms are a good opportunity uh, for people to get a hold of God, what God is about to say. See, Samuel's been preaching all along. For, for 12 chapters, Samuel's been preaching, but they really hadn't been listening. Remember, they said, nay, nay, give us a king. But now the storm has come. Now people are listening. What happens when storms happen in our country? People flock the house of God, don't they? They flock the, the, the church house. They flock the preacher. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Right? I remember September 11, 2001, I was in eighth grade, and I remember just people flocking to the churches when that all happened. Throughout all of this, this whatever this is going on, <laughs> whatever it is, people, I mean, and I know we have seen drops and all that kind of stuff, but, but we have seen a, a, a peak in people wondering, what, how's the people of God going to respond? How's the house of God going to respond? See, storms drive people to listen to what God's got to say to them. And though the storm will not last forever, the word of God will go on. The word of God lasts forever. And so there is a message here. What do I do after the storm? What do I do now the storm is over? I recognize what I need to learn. I recognize my sin. I recognize my wickedness. I recognize my slothfulness. I recognize where I have been and where I need to be. But, but now I want to listen. What's God trying to teach me after the storm? And Samuel doesn't change his message. And Samuel doesn't change his method. He preaches just like he was doing before. 
May I remind you, it is still the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Amen. Thank God for awesome August preaching. Amen. After tonight, he may change it to awful August preaching. But thank God for a preaching meeting. Amen. What do I do after a storm? Number one, you ready? Let's look at verse number 20. And I'll get out of the way. And Samuel said unto the people, fear not. Ye have done all this wickedness. So stop right there. He, he says, look, you have done it in the past. You've done it. You messed up. But it's back there. You have done it. It's back there. It's in the past. And there's nothing you can do about that. You can't change one moment of the past. You can't. So I wish I could change. But you can't. You can't change anything about what you have done today even up to this point. You can't do it. It's in the back. You've done it. Own it. Own it. But you've done it. But now let's go on. Watch what he says. Yet. You've done this wickedness. Yet. Turn not aside from following the Lord. But serve the Lord with all your heart. Number one. What do I do after the storm? Number one. Don't forget to pursue God. What well, it says, you've done wrong, but now don't turn aside. Turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Don't forget to pursue God. He encourages the people to follow God, to be faithful to God. Listen, pursuing God involves a resolve to only follow God. Hey, if Saul follows God, follow God. Uh, follow Saul as he follows God. But if Saul gets off on left field, you stay with God. Hey, I'm Samuel. Samuel says, I, if I follow God, follow me as I follow God. But if I get off on left field, keep following God. Let me go. Hey, listen, only follow God and don't chase anything else in this world. I think about the greatest commandment in our Bible. Jesus said the greatest commandment of all is to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul. And if that's the greatest commandment in all the Bible, the greatest sin must be to not love the Lord your God with all. I know we think the greatest sin is maybe something that other people are doing. But if the greatest commandment is to love him with everything we have, then the greatest sin must mean to not love him with everything we have. I think about Ephesians, that church of Ephesus in, in Revelation, and he says, I got this one problem with you. What is it? You left your first love. You're doing all kinds of great things. You're doing a lot of programs. You got a lot of pageantry. You got all this stuff going for you, but you're not loving what you're supposed to be loving. Think about David. You know what the Bible says about David? It says that he is the man after God's own heart. And, and, and I may be wrong on this, y'all. There's some men in this room been studying the Bible longer than I've been living. Amen? I'm on 33. The year of crucifixion. Just turned 33. And, <laughs> and I may be wrong about this. But, but I've always thought that uh, uh, David being a man after God's own heart meant like, you know, that out of God's heart he, was, he, he did everything like God did. But then it, it bothered me because he didn't do everything like God wanted him to do. Right? There's a lot of stuff that did, David did that was wrong. You know? And so we know that's not after God's own heart. What I, what I'm, I'm, as I'm coming to just, just trying to dig into this a little more, I, I think maybe what that means is he's, af, he's chasing after God's own heart. He's a man after God's own heart. He's a, the Olympics are going on now. I ain't watched a bit of it. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know who's winning or losing. I don't even care. 
But you know what those people do? They're, they're after a gold medal. There are men and women after the prize. Uh, football season's coming upon us and, and there'll be somebody after the trophy, after the state championship, after the conference cha- championship, after the national championship. They're after it. God, David wasn't after all of that. David was after God's heart. He was chasing everything he was doing. He was chasing God's heart. I wonder is there anybody here at Winfield Baptist Church on a Tuesday night that would chase after God's heart? Yeah, you've got wickedness in the past. That's back there. So now let's pursue God. Let's chase after God. Turn you not aside. Don't turn. Be in sincere service to God and to God. I'll notice he says, one, the first time he says it here, he's going to say it again later, serve the Lord with all your heart. Don't forget to pursue God. Number two, verse 22. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake. Because he had had pleased the Lord to make you his people. What do I do after the storm? Don't forget to pursue God. But number two, don't forget the promises of God. What a joy to remember that God will not forsake us. Though we turn our back on him, he'll never turn his back on us. Though we will fail him, he'll never fail. Oh, our good friend, Brother Mark Wheeler, wrote that good song. I've not always been faithful, but he has. I've not always been graceful, but he has. And don't forget the promises of God. While we're not always faithful, He's always been faithful and true. See, our salvation is not based on our merit. It's not based on our great name. It's not based on anything we have done. And the same is true today. Every promise we have in this Bible is not based on you. It's based on him. It's based on his great name. It's based on his great pleasure. It's based on him and his faithfulness. Hey, he's faithful because of him, not because of you. And he's faithful because of him, not because of them. Amen. A lot of times we'll blame everybody else uh, for what's going on around us. Uh, My friend, the promises of God are yea and amen. Uh, Thank God he's faithful and true. Don't forget the promises of God. Thank God for the Bible promises to the believer. You know some promises I've been chewing on here lately where Jesus said I come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Amen. Now I don't feel like I always have abundant life but there's a promise in that Bible I can have it. Amen. I think about when Paul said uh, he said I thank my God always that I triumph always in Christ. I say I don't know if I always triumph or not but there's a promise in that Bible that I can. Amen. I think about when Paul said uh, that we are more than conquerors. I think man I don't know if I am or not but bless God the Bible says I can be. I thank God for the promises of God, the pursuit of God. Number three, I'm hurrying, verse 23. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. To ceasing to pray for you. Samuel says it'd be a sin for me to stop praying for you. Even if you stop doing right. Even if you turn your back. I want to say thank God for a pastor that prays for you when you go the wrong way. Right. Amen. Thank God for preachers. That, man, I got a preacher friend right now. I mean, he's in a mess. He has messed up big time. The last few months has been a whirlwind in his life. And 
His mama called me several months ago weeping about what was going on with him. And man, he's pastoring a church, had a great ministry going, all this. And, and just, I mean, just fell apart. Some things have happened. And I called him immediately when I got off the phone with his mom. I called him and I said, I just want you to know I love you. And I'm praying for you. And I don't know what all's going on in your life, but I'm here for you. Whatever you need, I'm going to pray for you. You may have messed up, but I'm here. I'm praying for you. Amen. Thank God for there to be some people like that in my life. Amen. I think about this. Thank God. What I'm saying is number three is I don't forget the praying of God's people. Amen. There have been some times in my life the only way I've made it is because the prayers of other people. Because it sure wasn't my prayers that made it through that day. Amen. There have been some times where I read that Bible and it was like black words on white paper and that's all it was. There have been times where it felt like the ceilings were brass. I mean, it felt like I couldn't pray through. But I got through that day because there was somebody somewhere praying for me. I may not have known their name. I may not know who they were or where they were but they called out this preacher's name in prayer and I made it because somebody prayed for me I say thank God we're not alone tonight I thank God we've got, got to sit behind in a juniper tree tonight and wonder if we're all by ourselves thank God for a Tuesday night we can come to the house of God and exhort one another you know what that word exhort means cheer one another on hey brother Wayne I'm cheering you on to do well up here in Dalton I'm cheering you on well to do well in Rome and to do well in Dalton. I reach Whitfield County with the gospel. Reach Floyd County with the gospel. I reach Wallsfield with the gospel. I reach South Africa. Hey, you know what? We're here tonight exhorting one another that we're not by ourselves. And there's somebody else serving God with us. And there's somebody praying with us and for us in this ministry. Thank God, amen. Thank God our folks that came tonight, man. You know they love their preachers. They have to hear me all the time. And they came down here to hear me again. Hey, but you know what we're seeing, White Graves? Is there's some more people doing it like we're doing it, amen. There's some more people going the right direction. And that exhorts me. That cheers me up. And we ought to be praying one for another. Not praying on one another, amen. 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 Oh, yes. Well, thank God for that. The prayers of God's people. Think about the people that's prayed for you in your life. Think about your parents. If you had godly parents praying for you. I thank God for the days I walked in on my mama praying for me. And I'm telling you what, there was days, and I'm no doubt, there's no doubt there's some trouble I didn't get into as a teenager because I had a mama praying for me. No doubt about that. There's no doubt there was times where I wanted to say yes and I said no. And that probably was all because of little mama. Oh, a little mama raising three kids by herself. Because, and she had to do everything to make ends meet, but I'd walk in on her studying her Bible. I'd walk in on her praying for me. Thank God. Hey, thank God for a pastor that'll pray for you and pray with you. Thank God he calls your name. He watches over your soul and prays for you. Thank God for some friends that's prayed for you. Thank God for family members. Thank God for church family. I'll tell you what, it'll charge somebody up for tomorrow as you're praying for somebody, just shoot a little text message and just say, I've been praying for you. Just won't you know I prayed. I just called your name out in prayer. I'm doing that do something for that person. I know it does something for me. Man. I'm telling you, I, I'm telling you, there's some preachers that go on to heaven that ever now and then they text me and just say, I'm praying for you. I'm praying. And I miss those text messages. Oh, Dr. Giant James Jones, every now and then, uh, he'll text and say, I'm praying for you. Uh, Brother uh, Larry Wells uh, will text every now and then of this uh, devotional. He say, I have prayed for you. And I say, thank God there's somebody praying for me. Praise. The prayers of God's people. Don't forget that. Number verse number 23, verse number, this is number four, verse 23. 
But I, verse at the end, but I will teach you the good and the right way. See, many people go through things in life, storms in their life, whether it's their fault or not, they go through storms in their lives, and they'll forsake the good and the right way. They'll, they'll, they'll forsake the good and the right things when they go through it. But number four, don't forget the principles of God. This storm's going to pass. It's going to be over. This season, this, this whatever, this trial is going to be gone, but the Word of God is forever settled in heaven. And the Word of God's not a book of situational ethics, right? Circumstances doesn't change the Word. I mean, we're living in an hour where a bunch of independent Baptists are trying to fit the Bible to what their life is. I know what the Bible says, but. I thought goats, but. Amen? Right? I had a man tell me that. I took the church. I took a hard stand. Met me on this side of the church. He said, now, preacher, I know what you preach this morning. I know what the Bible says, but. But. Amen? I know you had horns. Amen? I've learned a little bit in eight years. Amen. I'm not the most cool person. Don't forget the principles of God. Isn't it sad when we watch people go through great trial, great tribulation? You've prayed for them, maybe you've done things for them, and then you watch them, and they, when they come through it, you think, man, they're really going to live for God now. They just fall apart. They walk out of that storm, and they turn their back on everything that got them through that storm. Watching people just turn left and right and they're forgetting the principles of God. Hey, if it was right before the storm, it's right after the storm. Amen. What's right is right. What's wrong is wrong. And what's right will always be right. What's wrong will always Amen. be wrong. Amen. Lastly, and I'm done tonight. Verse 24. Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth. Here it is again. With all your heart. For consider... How great things He has done for you. After the storm, don't forget to pursue God. Don't forget the promises of God. Don't forget the prayers of God's people. And don't forget the principles of God. But, but lastly this evening, don't forget to praise God. Don't forget the great things He has done for you. Don't forget how he brought you out of bondage. Don't forget where you were when you were in Egypt, a slave to sin with no power over yourself but the taskmaster made you go and go and come and go and do as he said. But thank, don't forget the great thing that he done when he saved you out of that, rescued you out of bondage, set you free, made you free indeed. Don't forget when he separated you from this wicked world, let you cross over the Red Sea in power and put a a gulf between you and this world. Hey, thank God that he's put a gulf between us, the great things that he does. Don't forget when you just wandered around the wilderness and didn't know your head from your tail, but the manna fell from heaven and quail fell from heaven and water came from a rock and bitter water became sweet. Don't forget the great things that he done when he parted the Jordan River and let you cross over into Canaan's a spiritual life and you saw the walls of Jericho fall down and you saw the battles you should have never won and fall at your feet. Don't forget the great things he has done for you and praise the Lord. Don't forget to give him glory. I thought about it this morning as I was training our teachers but grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ to him be glory. To 
him be glory. Give him the glory tonight. See, if we focused more on the wonderful and great things the Lord has done for us, we'd all be more peaceful and praiseful people. Instead of focusing on everything else going on in this world. See, praise is not a suggestion in the Bible. It's a command. Now, we may all do it a little bit differently. Some people are not as excited as me. I, I remember, y'all know who the Henderson ladies are. Miss uh, Miss Henderson, just Miss Patsy, just went on to be with the Lord. And I never forget, I was preaching down in Lagrange, Georgia, and, and I was preaching like I'm now wide open. And Miss Robin, the sister that's left, I got done preaching. She said, "Preacher, you preach too fast." She said, "I couldn't, I couldn't get my notes down fast enough." <laughs> and she said, "You're just so fast, you know." And and they, of course they they worship, they know. But but you know, I've had people say, "You're just a little bit too loud." I thought I heard people that felt like they was a little bit too quiet. But you know what? Everybody's got maybe a different personality, right? See, my personality, this is my personality. When I was on the ball field, this is my personality. When, I, when I'm teaching a class, that's my personality. When, when I'm all that stuff. So when I get in the pulpit, when I'm at church, this is my personality. And some people are not like that. It's hard for me to realize that. I thought everybody was supposed to be like me because I was so right, you know. <laughs> But I'll say this, praise may manifest itself in a different way, but it's always vocal or visible in the Bible. Could be just lifting hands. Could be just singing a song. Could be shouting. Thank God for shouting. Could be, could be, uh, people think, I don't know about this running stuff. Could be running. Amen. We got some teenage boys where they'll take off. Church, hallelujah. As long as they don't put a hole in something, amen. They'll be fixing it. Amen. <laughs> we, we maybe manifested. Amen. Say an amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But you ought to praise Him. And not just in here, but out there. I never forget. Praise is it's addicting. It is. If you get to praising the Lord, it's just, man, there's something about just wanting to do it again. But it's also inviting. The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. I remember I was working down in Cedartown and I was just in the muddy grubs. I was just, you know, I, I thought my whole life was so bad. I mean, I don't know why, but I just, you know. I'll be honest with you, I was wanting to serve the Lord with all my life and I was sitting there having to teach it. I was teaching in a school and I thought, man, I could be out preaching. I could be out doing something else, you know, and I was running, running, running. That morning in my devotions before I went to school, just the Lord got a hold of me about I saved by the grace of God. I was called to preach. I had a brand new wife. I had a good family. I had a good home that we were living in. I mean, God had been so good to me. What was I mully grubbing around? What was I murmuring and disputing about? You're saved. I mean, I, and he just reminded me. He said, I could have saved you. He said, you've said it in the pulpit many times. If, I, if I'd have saved you and put you under a bridge in Atlanta, Georgia, lived homeless the rest of your life, you'd, you'd praise me. And here you are mumbling and complaining. I know God may not talk to y'all like that, but he doesn't. And the Lord just put something in me to just praise the Lord that day. Amen. And I walked down the halls about 7.15 that morning at Cedartown Middle School and I started singing. I don't know what I was singing. I might have been singing, Oh, Happy Day, or Are You Washed in the Blood, or something like that. And all of a sudden this, this woman, is this on the internet? Okay, well, I won't say her name. <laughs> but I say yes. She's a friend of mine on social media and I love her death. She needs to get saved. But, she, but I'll just say her name. Her name's Miss Jolly, but she wasn't Jolly. I mean, if anybody had a name that didn't fit her personality, it was her. And she walked out in that hallway, 
She said, Alan, what are you so happy about? I said, Miss Jolly, I've just been saved by the grace of God, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, and I'm heaven bound with my hammer down. What is there not to be happy about? She said, you're one of them. And she walked in. You know what, though? It opened up a door opportunity. Eventually down the road, I got to witness to her. She didn't get saved. She's tied in the Jehovah's False Witness cult. She needs to be born again. And we're sure connected on social media and all that. Pray for her. I do. I do pray for her. It's, it's, in, it's inviting, though. I'll tell you this, that happened to me this morning. I was at the school working, man. We have been putting long hours in at the school and then at the church, finishing the building. So both places, long hours. Praise the Lord for it. Amen. Every time I get tired and I can't hardly move in the bed, God says, remember when you asked me to use you? <laughs> and uh, I said, yeah, I do. But I've been tired. And this morning, I just thought, man, I'm just going to have a good day today. I'm okay. and, I, and I was humming and whistling and singing and all that stuff, walking around. And all of a, and, and, and you know what? There was a different spirit about that. There's just a different atmosphere. Sure. And all of a sudden, and y'all gonna think I'm y'all gonna think I'm so petty. I couldn't find an electrical cord that I needed. That's all it was. And I got so frustrated. I know it was right here. I know that's where I left it. And I start searching everywhere for this thing. And then all of a sudden I look at my clock and I say, oh no, the teacher's gonna be here and I ain't gonna be ready for our meeting. And I start panicking and I start I'm frustrated. And all of a sudden I catch myself, I'm not whistling no more. I'm not humming no more. I'm not praising no more. All of a sudden, and, and all the way across that, that little Murtaugh Purpose building that, there at the school, God kind of raked me over the coals a little while. About, you really going to stop praising me over electrical cord? You know what I started doing? Started humming again. Started whistling again. You know what? It has done something different. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye. You may have a storm going on in your life. Maybe you just come out of one. Maybe your fault. Maybe somebody else's fault. It's not about all that. But what do I do after the storm? What do I after? After I've repented. After I've gotten right. After I've messed up and I've gotten right with God. What do I do now? Pursue God. Don't forget the promises of God. Don't forget the praying of God's people. Don't forget the principles of God's word. But don't forget to praise the Lord. This is Let's pray. Father, we love you and we're so thankful that you allow us to be in church tonight. We're thankful that you allowed us to open the word of God tonight and to preach, thus saith the Lord. Thank you so much for this attentive crowd. What a good crowd on a Tuesday night. They've paid attention. They've been involved and participated in the preaching. I'm so thankful for that. But now comes the time where we respond to the word of God. Father, I pray tonight that you'd help us as we respond, not just here, not just in the altars here, in the pews here, but as we leave here. We may face a storm when we leave tonight. We may face one tomorrow when we get to where we're going. But I pray afterward we'd walk with God. There may be somebody on the sound of our voice, Lord, that needs to forsake some sin. Maybe uh, there's somebody here that needs to repent of some sin. And God, I'm thankful that in this story we see there is a place of forgiveness. And there's a place to walk after forgiveness. I pray you'd help us take heed to the Word of God. Help now in this invitation time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.